When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. This episode of Deposits with Brooke England is brought to you by our sponsor, General Motors. Learn more about their continued efforts to fund the future and inspire innovation at GM.com. So the minute I discovered that I didn't have something or there was something I didn't know existed, I immediately made enough money to get it. Mm-hmm. I've never had a lack of that. The reason why there's always a lack of money is because I always spend it. But there's never a lack of making. On this brand new episode of Deposits with me, Brooke England, brought to you by the Revolt Podcast Network, the person that we're sitting down with today is a cultural icon, visionary, innovator, Someone who stands on what they believe in no matter what. Somebody has that has started countless of trends. None other than Dane Dash. Thank you for being on the show. What you didn't include in the intro was that you started as an intern at DD172, and that's the way I got to know you. I was going to say that. I wanted to give you your intro first. Well, so I've known you for a while. So seeing this version of you checked with me because, you know, I'm proud to see you in front of the camera instead of behind the camera. I know that was always what you wanted to do. But at DD172, you try not to be in front of the camera. So it's a different version. I like it. Thank you. Yes, I started, I met Dane in New York, interning, DD-172, Creative Control. Should I tell the story about how the first day I met you? I don't remember, but if it's a good one. So, (laughs) so the first day I came to Creative Control, I met Cootie the night before we were coming by to view a commercial. We told this story on their episode. And then he was like, the person that I was with was like, oh, she does production. And he was like, okay, come back. But I think he thought I may have been lying. I was like, I'm going to come back. So I came back the next day and they didn't have any work for me. So I'm just like sitting there waiting. At DD-172? Yeah. Okay. I'm just sitting there waiting. And Dane comes out and was like, it ain't going to be nobody in here that's not working. Everybody need to be working. Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> and you like never really addressed me, but then they ended up giving me that Canon commercial to cut. And then I think that was like, I earned everybody respect after that because we you used that to, commercial. I remember, I remember you had to earn your respect yeah. by working. And we used that commercial to get more cameras. When I cut that. Well, that was that meant that if you did that, that was like we only had at the time that was when DD 172 first started at Creative mm-hmm. Control, and we only had one camera, and then they gave us cameras. Mm-hmm. But that, wow, damn, you were there for that. Uh huh. That's crazy. You were there from the very beginning of Creative Control. Very beginning. Interesting. You saw everything. 
I saw everything. And you know what? So I'm so happy to have you here and I'm so happy to for you to see me in this light and to see how much I've grown and stuff. That's it's was, it's all been was, emotional. That's why I was enjoying it. I know, I know. You so you funny. Well the thing is I just I feel like I remember pushing you to do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you were you were giving me resistance. I don't remember. I do know that Dame People don't really know this because I don't like have to like go out and be like saying who I know. Like Dame is the first person that made me a boss. I did. And you was like, she helping y'all stay together. She helping y'all stay on schedule. And you was like, y'all need to be listening to her. So you was the first one that acknowledged my leadership skills. And you was the first one that told me these are lessons that I still use. When something goes wrong, a boss can't say an employee what they did wrong. A boss has to step up and really take whatever happened and own up to whatever happened and take that on the shoulder. And I still take that with me today. Yes, the boss's fault for not teaching the people that he's guiding the right way. So, you know, I'm glad to see that you are still like just doing whatever you want to do. You know, like when we were in DD-172, there was art gallery there. There was magazines there. There was two studios there. We had the production company. We had the screen press. Did I leave anything out? The label. We just we had, had a, so had much a, going we had a, on. We had a vintage, a vintage clothes shop. Yeah, we had the screen while. press. We had the downstairs. We had the ping pong. I used to be big. Remember I used to bust everybody's ass? And you play Lewis, that boxer. Oh, I don't yeah, want to mess yeah, with yeah. his name. What's his name? Um, My man from Jamaica. Yeah. And then we would have the shows in under 100. Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis. So I didn't have it messed up. But yeah, you play Lennox Lewis there. You know what's so funny is that I was so green and so young at that time. I totally like didn't appreciate all the people that would come there to see you. You know, Black Keys was always there. RZA would just pop up. You know what I'm saying? Erica Badu, J-Elect, most like... Everybody used to want to just come to that space and hang out with us. We were always doing something creative. Everybody loved us except the neighbors. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we used to have some fun parties. And it was just it was just a time like no other. I, I know every time I run into anybody from DD-172, it's just like always like a love. You know what I'm saying? That we have for each other because like we was really in the trenches together. Like... I used to be there all day. Yeah. <laughs> you used to be like, do you go home? <laughs> there was a lot of people that didn't. That moment in time will never be recreated again. Mm-hmm. And it was a very special time. And a lot of people of substance realized their potential there. Yeah. And it was like school for a lot of people. And, um, you know, it was like bringing independence in a luxury environment and just like you said, doing whatever you wanted to do, but figuring out how to monetize it. And um, it was like therapy for me because I had just come from the Rockefeller shit and I just wanted to be, I was just embracing the fact that I wanted to be an artist and I wanted to be around artists. I wanted to be around creative people, you know, 
and and everything we did always felt really cool. It, yeah. Anything that was going on there, you knew that nothing else in the city was going on that was cooler than that. Facts. And that's why it attracted the traffic that it did. And um, we documented every second of it. So it's not like something, everything you said, I could actually give you the visual, even down to the ping pong game with Linus Lewis. We have that footage. In yeah. Jamaica and in. Yeah, we went to Jamaica, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you. Swiss bought art there. The first, we had that on camera too. Yeah, the first, the first piece of art that I put there, Swiss was there. I got that, yeah, you, you know. Even at creating an editing style, teaching the world how to use a Canon digital. It was before YouTube even had commercials. Before viral. Before what? what that we, wasn't even a word. I feel like we, you we know we kind of started that, yeah, because yeah. all the blogs would post all of our parties and all the cool stuff we were doing simultaneously, which became what viral meant. You know, the funny thing is, someone that's truly cool doesn't care about what anybody thinks except their children. And I would just, I want to figure out how, like, I think Ava understands, but like Tulu was two. Yeah. And she doesn't even know what she, she doesn't even understand it yet, but I know she will. But I wish she could have been this age that she is now, 14, 15. There. While that was happening. Yeah. Because it, it would, she would have understood it. But that's that's how it goes. Like you said, in the moment, you didn't realize because it was the beginning of your life yeah. as an adult. Yeah. If you start there, if it doesn't get better, yeah. then you appreciate it. Like, oh, shit, I didn't know it couldn't get no better than this. Yeah. These variables will not, won't exist ever again. Like, it's a piece of history and there's receipts for it. And to see Kuti and Shike finally get their just due. Yeah. See you in front of a camera instead of behind a camera. You know, to see Tallulah, you know, you she was like really literally couldn't talk when you first met her. Mm -hmm. You could you could tell her things about herself that she doesn't remember. Yeah. If I were to rewind, because you know I'm a time traveler, I'm rewinding and I'm like, I'm going back to DD172. I'm there. And then I'm like, damn, what is it gonna look like? What has it been like 10, 11 years? Yeah. What does it look like 10, 11 years later? And you're here doing this. I got my television. You know, it's Kudi Shike. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Even like 
Wiz Khalifa's, you know, everybody, you know, currency, yeah. currencies, all of it. And the I think it all we kind of, and, and you were a big part of that, like all the time you were like, cameras need to be rolling. And you know what, I feel like what we did for currency really like started a trend, you know, artists but wanted Wiz to Khali put out Wiz that. Wiz Khalifa never put another album out different. It was about being transparent about the process. Yeah. And understanding that every moment is priceless. But I always knew that because, you know, where people say I'm arrogant, <clears throat> cocky to the extent of being an asshole, it's just I give myself affirmations. I'm just very confident and I like to celebrate who I am and what I have the ability to do until I become what I dream I want to be. But like I said, I just wish, yeah, sometimes I wish my daughter could be here for all that. Because every artist take. started doing that after that time. Like when we would follow currency to go get clothes and Nikki Diamonds and all that, all that, Nikki all those popping you know street what's crazy? brands. <clears throat> like if 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 what you could have done, what we could do, because these things you're saying, every one of those things you're saying, I got visuals for. Yeah. You could talk about it and I could pop that shit right on the screen. You know, do a live version of it and have a talk about it. But, we used to shoot from sun up to sundown. I right. used to shoot. <laughs> so, so when I when I when I say that I wish my daughter could have been an adult for this, or at least a young adult, at least I could show it to her. Yeah. And and I like I, like I said, I knew he was always making history, so I documented yeah. it. And and I've always done that. You know, it was like, yo, we too cool to have to pay somebody to tell us to be cool, just run the cameras. Yeah. And then the 5Ds just came out and digital, like it looked like, you know, at least when it's on something digital, the shit was looking very moody and cool. Yeah. And we knew how to edit and we had, you know, so many different ways to express what we felt artistically. Yeah. And it was just a collaborative of different cool people from all kinds of creative walks of life. They just wanted to be cool. Remember we developed a term called whack world for everybody outside <laughs> the gates. Yeah. And we really, and still I, you know, it was just a safe haven for cool people. Yeah. And if you wasn't cool, you would come in there, if you were honest and leave super cool. You yeah. always left cooler than you came, pause when you came into DD-172. And I remember we had that Adidas sponsorship. Like, you know, there was people there that didn't have much, you know what I'm saying? So to get a free pair of shoes, like I, I know I had like three pair of shoes. Like it was just like, well, it, I, it was definitely a time that will never be recreated for sure. Yeah, it was art and luxury. So I want to ask you, so I know you just said like, that was the time when you were transitioning from your departure from Rockefeller. To, to be honest, what had happened was I had Tallulah and I had Ava and the Rockefeller environment wasn't the safest place for little girls. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to work in an environment where I felt my kids, my daughters could be safe. Yeah. Like I couldn't bring Tallulah to work because dudes had guns. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was irresponsible. It wasn't an environment I wanted her to be around. So I changed everything about my environment so that I could be there to raise my baby. 
What would you say is like the biggest mis misconception that people have about your split from Rockefeller? I don't care what people's perceptions are about why I split from Rockefeller. I don't take the time to think about that. Online, right? You'll do an interview and then somebody will ask you about Jay, right? And then people will say, well, why is he you know, talking about him and and they've asked you about him and they'll say, you know, it just seems like he always talk about him. But I remember like at that time, you would never say anything. I've never heard you say anything bad about him, just more about like the people that was around him. I was trying to get away from that. <laughs> if you notice, what I was doing was completely the opposite. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm always appreciative of the fact that I could just go be me. Mm -hmm. in luxury <laughs> like I was like you know my you gotta remember when I left Rockefeller I went from having an office to having a building mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying I went to having to hire dumbasses that I didn't like to do things to just doing everything under one roof and I loved it so much that it went on 24 hours of the day 24 hour karate school 24 hour karate school <laughs> and and honestly the reason why it happened in Tribeca is because at the time I was Tallulah, we lived in Tribeca. Yeah. So I had to be I had to be able to get to Tallulah or bring her with me back and forth. But I just I was I because I it was just something about having, you know, daughters, especially like Tallulah and Ava. And I was like my whole world had to kind of revolve around being able to be able to be around when I was allowed to be around. So I had to create like an environment that, cause I didn't never knew when I could see him. It was, you know, you know how that was. Yeah. So, but when I could see him, I had to be able to bring him with me to work cause I couldn't just stop work cause I couldn't plan it out. Yeah, cause the office was walking distance. That's why. Yeah. You remember it would just be me walking to Lula yeah. back and forth. Cause I had, I used to have to Lula from 12 to four because her mother used to work and I didn't want nobody to watch her because I didn't want nobody, she couldn't talk. So I wasn't having her alone with nobody. Yeah. So I had to structure. So I find that when you structure a life where your kids come first, you reap all the benefits of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's, that's really what changed everything was my daughters. I just didn't feel like being in a position where I wanted to shield them from all the bullshit I, I had to deal with. And you've always had that, you know, hustler mentality. You've always talked about like how you had money before even coming into the music industry and just getting money in Harlem. What do you remember? Like what it was like when you first started to see profits from Rockefeller? Yeah, just spend it. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I never, I never, I, it just we bought a bigger house, you bought another yeah. more cars, yeah. you invested in more dreams. Like there was never lack of anything. Like if I wanted something, I always figured out how to make enough money to get it. But once I got that, I wanted something better. It's like I said, when a dream comes true, you know that's the death of the, the, the when when you when your dream comes true, that's the death of a dream. That's the best funeral. I was just saying. But again, you have to have another dream. Yeah. So once I accomplish something. Honestly, I always feel like when I make some money, I didn't make enough because I always want to buy something better. Yeah. So that's, I think, we, and then I always get inspired. Like I could figure out a path to 
do another, make another dream come true. So I just made this much money. So I made music. Now I could go do a movie. Yeah. Oh, but now I made this much money. So now I could go invest in Tallulah's mother's clothing line. So I could just do fashion and not rockwear. So I could be in a more tasteful environment. You know, I just have, I, I just, I look at everything as a flip. Yeah. So when I make money, it's not for me to put it up. It's literally, this is what happens anytime money gets generated. Whatever bills my kids have and the rest go into a business. I don't go on vacation. You know what I mean? Because my life's a vacation. I, I, they go on vacation. Their mothers go on vacation. I don't. You know what I'm saying? I got to buy cameras. I got to pay rent. You know what I'm saying? I got to pay employees. I got to invest in the next dream or else they won't be able to go on vacation. Yeah. They won't be able to go to private school. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that means I have to constantly be inspired. If I ever get bored, I won't make money. If I get bored, that means I got to get a job. If I'm not inspired, that, inspiration is gas. That's what keeps you having energy. If you don't have a dream, you have no purpose. Mm. So I stay dreaming. Yeah. And I dream so hard that I could dream enough for building of other young people that are dreaming and help them make their dreams come true. That's part of my dream. It's not only helping me, helping everybody else. Not everybody dreams like that. Because I know you y'all was putting your own money up front first and you were heavily invested in him, in, in your artist, and then boom, it happened. Because, you know, this show deposit is about... It never was a boom. We always was getting money. Mm -hmm. So it was just streets to the, it was just, it's all, it's levels of this shit. Mm -hmm. So if, when you- Yeah, the, we want to know the difference of I'm the gonna levels. I'm going to tell you, if you in, in the projects, especially like in New York, you think it's the big, just to go over the bridge and move to Fort Lee or some shit like that. Just getting out the projects is a big deal. Being able to rent outside the projects is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Not even owning a house, just renting a house downtown. Yeah. But, so you winning. Yeah. But then you make a little more money and you get a little smarter, like, oh, you need to be buying that house or you can live in a different neighborhood or you need to travel. You got to discover that. So the minute I discovered that I didn't have something or there was something I didn't know existed, I immediately made enough money to get it. Mm -hmm. I've never had a lack of that. The reason why there's always a lack of money is because I always spend it. But there's never a lack of making money. And when you love, like when you have five children that all have to have nannies, that all have to have private school, that all have to have vacation, they all gotta have nice clothes, all their mothers gotta live in nice houses, and they all solely depend on you to do it. You don't have a, a choice, you have to stay inspired. Because mm -hmm. it's my children first. And if you ain't fighting for something you love, what are you fighting for? What is the most money you've spent at once? To be honest, if you could remember the money you spent, you didn't make no money. Mm. I don't even remember. <laughs> you know, like there's investments I've made in businesses. Like, you know, actually I would say the most I've spent is on this television network. Mm. We've invested, the company's invested, think about it, since 
creative control, our overhead was 100000 a month back then. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Niggas had to make 100000 a month to keep the lights off. And I was independent. Now, to some people, 100000 is a big lick. Pause. 100000 for me is always overhead. Yeah. That was 2000 and what, five? We're in 2023. So if I'm spending a million years for the last 20 years to make this shit crack before seeing profit, because it's, I just put up 20, 30 million dollars for this shit. So this right now, currently, is always going to be my biggest investment. If I invested 10 million in something one time, I should have made enough money so I can invest 30 the next. And that's what happened. I'm just waiting for this shit to turn. So you you feel like the network is your biggest investment? Hell yeah, because it's not a network. It's a movie. It's the content that comes with the network. How many people were actually getting paid? There was a lot of people. It was 100 people in that building at any time, but there was always about 20 making money. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I always had to figure out how to pay people. Regardless of whether I made a dollar that day or not, it's an investment. That's why I have content. So I can make money now for the shit I paid for back in 2005 because that's why I was like, take, because I'm paying for this shit. What would you say has been your smartest investment? My children and Mm. myself. Mm. In what ways? Love. Mm. What do you mean? Literally, I'm here only for my daughter. That's an investment. That's the smartest investment I can make is making that time to see my daughter when she'll make time to see me because she's a teenager. Making that time to be there for my older daughter if anybody ever tries to hurt her feelings, to make sure she knows she don't need no man. To make time to see my kid, my my sons, they they get the raw end of the deal. They really have. A person like you that has like touched so much money and has had so many investments, what would you say is the biggest lesson that money has taught you? Not to give a fuck about money. (laughs) To do it for the love. That money doesn't make the man. I know a lot of cowards with money. A whole lot of cowards with money. I know a whole lot of people that made money from being cowards. So I know money don't make the man. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. I've seen what is done to independent creators, what money has done. You've seen it. You saw the end of a lot of funny stuff. <laughs> a lot of people came in that building independent and walked out corporate. Yeah. Some people are independent because they don't have a choice. I made a choice to be independent because independence is freedom. Yeah. Freedom is priceless. How much would you pay to go to jail? Or how much could somebody pay you to do a bit? No. What if somebody gave you a hundred million to do ten years? Would you do it? No. A billion. No. Exactly. So why would you sell your independence like a record deal? Why would you give that? Why would you give any degree of your freedom away for any dollar? You got to get tricked into doing that. I will never sell my freedom ever. If something says master, 
I'm never selling you to you if it's mine, so mm. you can become my master. If I sell you something that includes master, I don't love it no more. How, ma how many of your masters have you kept? The masters that I created. I used to make money off other people's masters. That's why I had to do my own thing. The last 10 years, I haven't been doing anything but investing things that I actually own. Or my family. I don't even own nothing. My family owns everything. I don't even, nothing's in my name. It all goes in my family's name. I'm not doing nothing for me. I don't get a dollar of that money. Nothing. And I don't want it. If you make children, if you have people you love, it's your responsibility to take care of. That's some man shit to me. So how did you see it when, when, when you work with the music industry, you know how they say it's like real cutthroat, but you always went into it as a partnership. And I saw like a interview you did and you was like, that was one thing that you always just hated dealing with execs because they didn't own anything. Mm. Did you feel like they treated you like an owner? Did you feel like you were an owner when you were in those situations? I, I You would never get, nobody that's not an owner will ever trick me into believing I'm not an owner. Just because you're not an owner don't make me try to feel like that. So. This is the reason why I'm around a therapist. That's why the healing is gangster. It's hard to deal with people that are pretending there's something they're not to someone. A soldier telling a general what to do is crazy. It's hilarious. A soldier should never try to tell a general what to do. And sometimes I've had to make soldiers realize they're talking to a general. That's the only frustrating thing about it. You you bugging. Just because you a soldier and we might look a little bit alike, it don't mean I'm a soldier. I'm a general. Your boss, your boss's boss, your boss's boss's boss is not an owner. I don't give a fuck about none of y'all. And that would be the only thing that I had to figure out how to eloquently say it. I was going to ask you, do you ever regret like no. barking on people? Hell no. That's the best therapy I've had. <laughs> I have no regrets on that. I would regret not barking on those people. It's like almost like, I remember one time I did this show with BET and I barked on all of them before they did anything wrong because I knew they was going to fuck up when they wasn't around. <laughs> you know, because after it gets shot, everybody goes home. I know what y'all doing. Fuck all of y'all. You feel me? Because I know what y'all about to do and how y'all about to exploit and how y'all about to blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of thing. Knowing BET is not owned by anybody black. So, yeah, I have no expectation. But you're like so much, you're more calm now. So that's why I'm like, do you regret barking any of those times? I'm not more calm now. <laughs> I just don't put myself in environments that trigger me. Mm. Back then, I was working with people that I didn't respect. I couldn't choose who I, I... I literally only work with my friends. Yeah, I'm only doing this interview with you now out of respect for our friendship mm -hmm. or the history that we have together. Mm -hmm. That's how I equate things. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking to nobody I don't want to talk to. Yeah. And also, I have a baby now that I can see. During that period of time, I, I wasn't, you saw what I, I couldn't see my kids. I was, my heart was broken. So I was aggravated. It's mm. not the easiest thing to work wounded, to have to keep it. So yeah, I was like, you know, easily triggered. 
there's certain things that bother me. If I'm not having sex, I'm easily triggered. If I can't see my children, I'm easily triggered. Oh, snap. I thought she walked out the room. Anyway, <laughs> you understand? That, I, I didn't mean it like that. That's not what I meant. You understand what I'm saying? Like, there's things that get me frustrated. Yeah. But those two things, if like, because, you know, not seeing my children, that can drive any man that loves himself. Because that means he knows how to love someone else. Yeah. That shit doesn't take anybody to the brinks. So, but when you like, but right now I have a baby mm -hmm. that I don't. I'm in a, a functional relationship. You understand what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like I get to see my son every day, so I'm not that mad no more. Yeah. Do you but, ever laugh when you see like those old interviews? Because I, what interviews? I know I'll be laughing. Which ones? Like I think the most famous one when I think when you were going barking on Kevin Lyles. That wasn't no interview. That was no, me, that was a meeting. Yeah. That was me taping them. Like you said, no, back then, I, 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 that I was think, accountable. Yeah. That was, I was, the cameras is always accountability. So, but yeah, they look scared. Like, but they wasn't that scared. Of, <laughs> you know, it's funny, right? Some people say they're scared of me, and I say, what you scared of? I don't know. If you were scared of me, you wouldn't have tried me. So, you couldn't have been scared of me if you tried me. Niggas wasn't scared, they tried me. When you try somebody and you get busted, you you have a stupid face on. That's not fear. That's you feel stupid. You tried me and I caught you. That's what it is. That's it. I'm frustrated because you tried to play me. If someone tries to play me right now, I'm going to be that mad the same way. I just don't put myself in a position to get played. Mm. So basically you still stand on it. Have I said anything different? I, do I, I mean, like I said, I'm, you said I'm just happier. Yeah. I got my, my family wasn't right. I wasn't seeing my son. I wasn't seeing my kids. I'm in court all the time. I mean, goddamn, I'm human. Mm -hmm. It's just the camera on me all the time. But if you're going to be asking me stupid ass questions or you're going to be trying to play me while I'm also going through some personal shit, I might overcompensate and the shit that I want to get off on somebody else that I can't. You might catch that. Mm. Of all the trends that you started, which trend right now do you think is still like that they don't Popping? know came from you? Pause, basketball, Pause. basketball shorts. You know, the one that I hope that sticks is being a father, a good father. That's why I showcase me being a father. So they just normal shit. So they know what it looks like when you're winning and you have a kid. This is what it looks like. Yeah, I like the potty training videos. Shit is real. They just <laughs> see, they just be catching it while I'm doing it. This is how we talk. They just think they just find it so funny. They Ava's the best at catching me. They 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 my daughters they take me all day because they just think of they just laugh at me all he day. He got these videos. Well, they, he posts these videos of him trying to talk through trying to talk his son through potty training and just so you know one he did his, today yesterday he did a stinky in the potty he did good yeah. for him so that's basically what we we're talking about so yeah i like those videos it's like it's very good parenting because it's like you know a one-year-old a baby is like he not really listening but he really is he yeah. can hear you no i know that's what everybody <laughs> does they hear me but he listens he has no choice now, he definitely be trying to curve me, but it's funny. 
So pause. That that is funny because people still be saying that. People still wear that out. Pause. Yeah. You know, I have a I produced this documentary for BET and it came out in 2018 called Vixen. And basically what we and that, basically what we discovered doing this documentary was not what we came into it about. We were talk wanting to talk about the rise and fall of the video Vixen. But what we discovered once we started interviewing people, the Vixens from that time was that Big Pimpin' kind of really set the tone for lavish videos and the girls. And then we really were able to pinpoint how those girls really ushered in the BBL culture. Do you have any thoughts on BBL culture? What does BBL stand for? You know, like Brazilian butt lift, like the oh. the the surgery and all that. Because at that time, you know, there was Buffy the Body, and she was kind of like, Man. you know, coming on the scene with, ba bam bam. I guess it makes me appreciate all natural fatty, uh-huh. like Rockies. That's why I be on it. What What do you think? Like, do you think that video? set any trends because so many people think that how it was so luxury luxurious and all the money y'all spent we 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 did talk to director x i just feel like everything i do sets a trend that's just one other thing you know specifically i gotta remember i was drunk so i gotta remember yeah because that you was pouring the champagne i know that's what i know we that's call what... that they call that driving the boat now oh really <laughs> I, I know that's where i I, that's when I first on that video is when I first started smoking weed. I never smoked weed before that video. Are you serious? Uh-huh. Hey, what time is it? All right, so I gotta get ready to wrap. I gotta take. Okay. Now. What would you say is the best uh, era of music? There's no best era. For me, the best era is when I was on the concrete. But you know, someone else, their best era is gonna be when they were on the concrete. It's when you. No, your best era. When I was, you know, my best era. I don't know. They've all been equal. It's like asking me, like, which kid is my best, you know? They've all been equal. If you had predictions for the music industry, where where do you see it going? Right now? Yeah. I mean, it's never going to go anywhere, you know, streaming, and it's going to the metaverse. It's going to Web3. I saw you were saying, like, when you see a house and you say you want it, then you end up having it. What What are your thoughts about manifestation? Is that what you do? You visualize or? Yeah, it's all about manifesting. You can't dream it, it won't happen. You gotta visualize it first, put it on paper, take a picture of it, and then make it happen. But yeah, without dreaming, without manifesting, you know, what do you, you don't know exactly what you're actually doing anything for. What are you are detecting? You're just you know, you're just living to wait for someone else to tell you what to do or what to dream about. You got to manifest what you want. You got to visualize exactly what you want, or else it won't happen. You can't see it. What? How do you know when you get it? Yeah. And then that's why nobody celebrates because they don't even know they didn't visualize what the finish line even looks like. 
Okay, well, Dane promised to do a part two with us on deposits. And thank you so much for being on the show. And we're going to look forward to that second part. We're going to look forward to part two. We're going to hold him to that because you know what? This is about deposits and you can't withdraw anything if you mm. haven't deposited into yourself. I'll make that so, deposit. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.